Well, let's open our Bibles now to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, this is the passage that the Apostle Paul was referring to in in Galatians chapter 3. Genesis 18, we'll begin our reading in verse 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow before our Lord in prayer. Our Father, we bow before your mighty throne of grace this evening, thankful that we don't have to come before a bar of your justice, a throne of justice, trying to plead our works. But oh, how thankful we are that we can come before a throne of grace, pleading the merit and the blood and the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, how we thank you for your mercy and grace that is so unimaginable, it's so great, it's so unimaginable to the human mind that you would choose to save sinful men and women such as we are by putting us in your Son, by giving your Son the punishment that we deserve and giving us the righteousness that he earned as a man under the law. Father, how we thank you. And fathers, we bow before you, we beg of you this evening that you'd give us a spirit of worship, that you'd give us a time of of true worship as you've enabled us to gather together out of this dry and barren and dark world. Father, we pray that you'd give us a refreshing from your word, that you enable us to see the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and to worship him, that we might lift up and magnify his name. Father, that we might truly worship from the heart not just go through the motions of religion with the flesh but father that you might enable us to worship from the heart and father we dare not forget to pray for those who are in times of difficult difficult trials those who are they're in such deep waters father we pray you'd be with them we pray for your hand of comfort we pray for your hand of of healing and mercy and deliverance. Father, we're thankful to know that these things have not come by accident, but they're so grievous to us. And we pray that you'd comfort our hearts and that you, if you could be pleased to deliver, that you'd do so quickly. All these things we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's for his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. I've titled the message this evening, The Children of Abraham. I took my title from verse 19, when the Lord says, For I know him, that he'll command his children and his household after him. Now the Lord is not talking about the kind of parent that Abraham will be to his natural children here at all. Now, that's not to say that the kind of parents we are is unimportant. It's, It's very important to our children that we be good parents to them. You know, if we don't teach our children the difference between right and wrong, who's going to teach them? 
If we don't, if we don't do those things with our children and discipline them, Solomon tells us we, we must be bad parents because we hate them. If you don't discipline your children, that you, you hate them. It's very important that by our word we teach our children the gospel, that we talk to them about it at home, you know, and the, by our deed. It's very important that we teach our children by our example. What a, what a life of faith looks like. What, what it looks like when somebody believes on God and trusts God. That's very important. But that's not what, what the Lord's talking about here. The Lord here is talking about the spiritual children of Abraham. The, all the children of Abraham are the children of God. So every believer is a child of Abraham. Let me reread to you a portion of what we read to open the, the service. Galatians 3 verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Those who, who uh, God has given faith in Christ to, those are the people who are the children of Abraham. Not his natural children, his spiritual children. And children are like their fathers. Every child of Abraham is like our father Abraham. In this way, it's faith. We all have the same God-given faith in Christ. Every child of God is saved the same way our father Abraham was saved. It's by faith. It's not by works, but by faith. So tonight I want us to look at a few characteristics of the children of Abraham. And my prayer is this, that when we see these characteristics of the children of Abraham, we're going to say, that's how God saved me. So that we can leave here knowing I'm a child of Abraham. So first thing, the children of Abraham, they're all saved by grace. The same way Abraham was saved by grace. Verse 19, the Lord says, for I know him. I know him. Now the reason that God knew Abraham, he's not just talking about I know his name. God knows everybody's name. God knows who everybody is. God knew Abraham in a special way. The way, the reason that God knew Abraham is God put Abraham in Christ before the world ever was. Now that's not true of everybody. God knows everybody's name, but God doesn't know everybody like he's talking about Abraham here. Remember at the judgment when the Lord separated the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left? He told those self-righteous, those goats who were on his left, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, he knew their names. He knew their works, their works of self-righteousness. He knew those things, but he never knew them in grace. He never knew them in love. He never knew them in redemptive power. But God knew Abraham because God saved Abraham by grace. And not because Abraham deserved it, by his grace. Now, every believer who's a child of Abraham will say the very same thing. God saved me by his grace. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it by my works. God saved me by his grace. God didn't save me because I'm good. God saved me because he's good. By his grace. And he knows me. Now you stop and think about that for a minute. How amazing is it that the almighty God would know us? I mean, what are we in the scheme of things? I mean, we're just such specks of dust in God's creation. And he would bother to take notice of us? 
to know us, to know us in saving grace, to know us in electing love. It just is astounding to me. And what a blessing that is, because if God knows us, we'll never be alone. If God knows us, His eye is never off of us. We may not be able to see Him, but He sees us because He knows us. If God knows us, we can never be condemned. Because the Lord saves everybody He knows in His love and in His grace. So we know this has to be talking about the spiritual children of Abraham, not the physical children. Ishmael. Ishmael was the first natural child of Abraham, wasn't he? But the Lord's not talking about Ishmael here. Ishmael was a product of the power of the flesh and the works of the flesh. It was no mystery that Hagar, young and in the prime of life, could get pregnant and have a child. There's no mystery to that whatsoever. That's the works of the flesh, the power of the flesh. And there's no salvation there. The only thing that you can find in the works of the flesh and the power of the flesh is condemnation. See, salvation is a supernatural work of God. Salvation is not mere knowledge. Now, I hope we know right doctrine. I hope we know true doctrine. But salvation is not just knowledge. Abraham taught Ishmael the law. He taught Ishmael what God said, same way he did Isaac. But Ishmael wasn't saved. Salvation is not going through the ceremonies of religion. I mean, I hope we're, I hope we're very uh, serious about the worship service. I hope we're, we're very faithful to those things. But now, salvation is not in the ceremonies of religion. Ishmael was circumcised the same day Abraham was. Ishmael wasn't saved. Salvation can only be by God's distinguishing, electing grace. Where he chooses a people and he says, I know them. And if you're a child of Abraham, this is your confession. God saved me by his grace. I did everything I could not to, and God saved me by his grace anyway. All right, here's the second thing. The Lord teaches all the children of Abraham his way. He teaches them. Verse 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Now you all know what is getting ready to happen here. The Lord's getting ready to go to Sodom in judgment. And he's going to destroy that place. But he says here, I'm not going to hide from Abraham that thing which I do. He's not going to hide this from Abraham. He hid it from everybody else except for for Lot down there, didn't he? He hid it from everybody else. But he's not going to hide it from Abraham. And you know why? Because Abraham's his friend. God knows Abraham. And Abraham is his friend. The master doesn't tell his servants what he's doing. But he tells his friends. And Abraham is the friend of God. And God's telling you're going to tell Abraham what, what he's getting ready to do. Lord willing, we'll look at that next week. But you know, God does the same thing for all the children of Abraham. Now obviously, the Lord does not tell us everything he's getting ready to do. You know, he, and he certainly doesn't tell us his purpose in everything that he does. But God doesn't hide his purpose. God does not hide his purpose of redemption from his people. He teaches them. 
He teaches all of his children that salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The father teaches all of his children that salvation is accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the father teaches all of his children. Salvation is by grace. Through faith. And he doesn't hide that from his children. He teaches it to them. So it's so obvious to them they can't not see it. He gives them a heart to believe it. It's so precious to them they can't not believe it. To much of the world, how sin can be put away, that's hidden from them. But it's not to you. You think of that. God taught you how sin is put away in the blood of His Son. How did God tell you that? Not audibly. By His Word. By preaching. And you heard the preacher, and then one day God spoke. And it went in your heart and you believed it. God taught you that. You know, Job asked the age-old question, how shall a man be just with God? How is that possible? How, how can a sinner ever be righteous? Well, that answer is not hid from you who believe. God's not hidden that from you. God's taught you Christ is our righteousness. Righteousness is in Christ. It's received by faith in Christ. Now, do you know those things? Do you believe those things? And does that thrill your heart? Well, you're a child of Abraham. The Father taught you that. And I know He's always taught all of His people that. In uh, Bob called me a young man earlier tonight. I'm, I'm glad somebody still calls me a young man. But, you know, the older I get, Bob, the more I tend to think this is this is. The worst time in the history of the world. This is so awful. I sound, uh, I've been practicing to be a grouchy old man a long time. I mean, this sounds, just... but there are many ways. This is the absolute best time in history to live. I, we, we shouldn't get so down in the mouth that we forget that from time to time. The prophets longed to look into these things that we're talking about tonight. Now they saw them by faith, didn't they? We know we, they saw Christ by faith, but they are a long way off. And they, they didn't see Him near as clearly as they wanted to. Abraham saw Christ's day. Isn't that what our Savior said? Abraham saw my day and was glad? And he saw. By faith, he saw Christ. But Eric, he didn't see it nearly as clearly as we do. <laughs> oh, I'd a whole lot rather live now. This is after the finished work of Christ. And it's so clear and plain and obvious to us. God's not hidden His purpose of redemption from you. He's told you all about it. All about His purpose of redemption. Isn't that wonderful? It's so wonderful. And I know we see more clearly than Abraham did. But we still see through a glass darkly, don't we? You can understand how those prophets, they long to see those things more clearly. So do we. I mean, we see them more clearly than they did, but we still... We're not going to be satisfied till we see Christ face to face, are we? Till then, we're just going to see these things in, in shadow. And I know we don't know everything that there is to know about God. We don't know everything that God's doing, His purpose in doing these things. But the Lord has not hidden from His people how He saves sinners. He hasn't hidden the Savior from His people. He teaches them. He teaches us that salvation is by His grace, 
undeserved on our part, and He gives it to us freely because He's gracious through faith in Christ, by believing Christ, and not having any of our works be added to it. Now, if you know that and you believe it, be thankful because God taught you that. Your mama and daddy can't teach you that. Your pastor can't teach you that. Your Sunday school teacher can't teach you that. And we'll, we'll say those things, but only God can teach you. If you, can, if you rest in Christ that way, the Father's taught you that because we couldn't know in any other way. And I'm right happy with that, aren't you? I'm happy to rest in that and to depend on Him to teach His people, to depend on Him to make the message effectual. Right before I got up to preach last night, one of the ladies sang, It's Well With My Soul. And uh, Brother Rex Bartley, uh, normally when he introduces the speaker, he says, uh, come up here and brag on the Savior. Is that what he does to you? Come up here and brag on the Savior. Last night he said, come up here and tell us why it's well with our soul. And you know, I, I could do that. By God's grace, I know why is it well with our soul. Oh, I'm happy. Happy to rest in Christ that way. All right, here's the third thing. All the children of Abraham are blessed. Blessed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, God says, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now, they're not going to be blessed in Abraham, but all the people of the whole earth have been blessed by the Savior that came through Abraham's loins. And Isaac shall thy seed be called. This is, he's in the line of the Savior. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is the God-man. He is truly God. And the Savior has to be. He's truly God, so he has the power to save. He's truly God, so he has the right to forgive sin. Our sins against God, so only God can forgive it. He's God, so he has the right to forgive sin. He's truly God, so he's holy. He's righteous. He has a righteousness to give his people. And he's truly God who has the authority to forgive sin because his precious blood is able to pay the sin debt. So he's God. At the same time, he's God. He's also truly man. He's a man so he can be the representative of sinful men and women like us. He's truly a man so he can be the sacrifice for sinful men. God can't die for me. God can't die for you. But a man can. So God's son became a man so he could die in the place of his people. The Lord Jesus Christ is both God and man at the same time so that he can make his people the righteousness of God in him. And this righteousness is not a pretend thing. It's not a thing you'll experience someday. It's not pasted on, like Brother Scott Richardson says. It's not pasted on over top of our filth and our sin. It's still there. It's hidden by this pasted on righteousness. When we're made the righteousness of God in Christ, we're given a righteous nature that has never sinned and can never sin. It will never sin. It's a perfect righteousness. And we have that righteousness by union with Christ. The believer's union with Christ is so real that verse 19 says that the children of Abraham shall do justice and judgment. They'll do these things. The word justice there means righteousness. 
The children of Abraham do righteousness. Every believer does righteousness. I don't see how that's possible. Everything I do is mixed with sin. How, how can it be that a believer does righteousness? In Christ. See, the believer's union with Christ is so real that when the Lord Jesus Christ did righteousness as a man under the law, so did his people. We actually did righteousness in Christ our representative in the very same way we sinned in our father Adam. We did righteousness in Christ our representative. And God says, you who believe, you are in Christ, you do righteousness. Well, I don't understand that. How, but I, don't, I don't see it in myself. But the way God says it, that's what's true. If you believe Christ, you're in Christ, you do righteousness. You have a righteous nature. And he says they do judgment. Now this is, the word judgment there means decide the case right. It's a correct, true verdict. What he's talking about there is being truly made the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ by his sacrifice, he made it right for God's elect to be called righteous. He made it right for God to say they're right because they are. That's what he made them by his sacrifice. Christ the Savior took the sin of his people away from them and he made them what they're not. He made them righteous. The righteousness of God in him because his sacrifice put away their sin. So the Father can't call them anything but righteous because that's what Christ made them. Now for a sinner to be made righteous, that's blessed. I know the whole world, when you talk about being blessed, they immediately think of health and wealth and, and happiness and your children all do well. And, that, and truth be told, that's in our minds too, isn't it? But I'm telling you what blessing is for a sinner to be made as righteous as the Son of God. Oh my. That's blessed. And this salvation that's accomplished by Christ our Savior is no small thing. He did this for sinners from all over the world, in every generation, in every time, in every nation. The Lord Jesus Christ is such a powerful, all-sufficient Savior. He didn't just come save a few Jews. The love of Christ for sinners is so great. He didn't come to just save one of the smallest nations on earth, Israel, over there in the middle, the middle of the Middle East. He came to save sinners from every kindred and tongue and people and nation under heaven. And he got the job done. He saved them. Now, what a Savior. We have to believe him and trust him. That encourages me. And I hope it encourages you. I hope it encourage, would encourage everybody that ever hears this message or everybody that ever hears of our Savior to come to Him and beg Him, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, save me. He saved a people from every kindred and every tongue and every people and every nation. I fall in that category. Maybe He'd be merciful to me. Maybe He would. It'd be just like Him to do it, wouldn't it? All right, here's the fourth thing. All the children of Abraham are taught. 
You know, it's a, it's a parent's responsibility to teach our children, not just keep them alive till they're 18, but actually teach them something. Well, all the children of Abraham are taught something. They're taught the same thing. They're taught to believe on Christ. Verse 19, the Lord says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice in judgment. Now, Abraham, the Lord says, he was going to command his children. Abraham's children are going to be taught the commandment, the commandment of God. And I tell you this so often, the commandment, the commandment of God, the commandment of the gospel is to believe. It's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God's commandment is not obey the law and start doing better. Matter of fact, God's commandment is the exact opposite of that. Quit trying to keep the law. Quit trying to make God happy with you by trusting by what you do in the law and trust Christ. Trust Him. Trust Him who's already obeyed to be, to be your Savior. Trust Him. And by using the gospel in pictures, that's how Abraham's going to command all of his children. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. And so in that way, by his example, that's how he commands all of his children now you trust Christ. Quit your works and trust Christ. And I tell you what, they all will. They all will. They're all going to obey that commandment. They're going to quit trusting their works and they're going to trust Christ. Look at uh, John chapter 8. Now the children of Abraham, they obey this commandment. They trust Christ. They don't trust their works. They don't trust their heritage. They trust Christ. And anyone trusting in anything else, anyone trusting in anything other than Christ alone is not a believer. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how religious they are. I don't care how well they talk. If they're trusting in something other than Christ alone, they're not a child of Abraham. And that's what our Lord says here. John 8 verse 37. I know that you're Abraham's seed. But you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you've seen with your father. Now here the Lord's telling them, I know you're the physical seed of Abraham. But Abraham's not your spiritual father. Verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham's our father. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. If you were Abraham's children, you'd believe on me. You'd quit your works and you'd believe on me the same way Abraham did. Verse 40. But now, you don't, you're not trusting me, you seek to kill me. A man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you'd love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why don't you believe me? Even because you cannot hear my word. You're of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Now that's a very, very sobering statement. Either Abraham is our father and we believe on Christ like Abraham did, or the devil's our father and we hate Christ like the devil does. That's the two choices. That's the only two camps that there are. And all Abraham's children have the same faith in Christ because the Father gives it to them. He gives them the same faith in Christ and he teaches all of his children to trust Christ. All right, now here's the last thing. All the children of Abraham, if you find those those first four things, that's how God saved me. Then this fifth thing is going to make you go home on a cloud of air. All the children of Abraham are going to receive everything God promised them. Look back at our text, Genesis 18, at the end of verse 19. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now the Lord is going to give Abraham, we know this from history, he gave Abraham everything he promised him. Well, the Lord's going to do the same thing for all of his children. He's going to give them everything that he promised them. Now, how do you know that's true? God's going to give his children everything he promised them. Well, there's two reasons right off the bat that I thought of. First one is this. God always keeps his promise. God said he's going to do something. He's going to do it. That's true, isn't it? God always keeps his promise. But here's the second thing. The Lord's going to give all of his children everything he promised to give them. Because the Lord Jesus Christ came in the flesh and he fulfilled, he ratified God's covenant of grace with his own blood. That covenant between the Father and the Son was a promise between the Father and the Son. The Father promised, I've chosen these people. If you suffer and die for them, you obey the law for them, you suffer and die as their sacrifice, they'll be saved. Now I'll accept them. Well, Christ came and he ratified the covenant. He bought with his own blood. He bought all of those blessings that the father promised for his people. Christ bought them with his blood. He did everything he promised his father that he would do. And in return, the father's going to give his people everything that he promised to give them by his grace. Everything. Well, all right. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? What blessings has God given his people? Well, there are too many to list. David said, if I try to number them, they're more than the hairs of my head. Now, I've just always assumed David had a full head of hair. <laughs> Probably kind of long hair. You know, They're more than the hairs of my head. So we can't name them all. But let's turn to two scriptures. I'll just give you a few. Ephesians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The Father has blessed his people with all spiritual blessings. Not ones left out. 
everything, everything that God has for a sinner, everything he's given to him. Not Nothing's left out. Nothing that is required to make us perfect. Nothing that is required for us to be in God's presence eternally. He's given them all freely. Verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The Father elected a people in grace, and he chose those people unto salvation to make them holy and without blame. You think what it means to stand before God Almighty without blame, to be holy. You accept it. You accept it. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now the father elected a people and he could have chose anybody from Adam's fallen race. Anybody. And he chose the likes of me and you to make them his children. You think what it means to be a child of God. I can tell you what it means to be one of my four children. They got everything I have. I mean, there's nothing of mine they can't have. The Father has made us His children. There's nothing He has you can't have. Oh my. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption. Not we will have, we have redemption. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of His grace. The Father has made us accepted. Not acceptable, where you got to, you know, kind of keep it. He's made us accepted in Christ. He's forgiven our sin. He's washed our sin away in the blood of Christ so we have no sin. Now I challenge you, name something better than that. It can't be done. Verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Now how God saves sinners... How it is that a sinner can be made righteous and accepted by the Father, that's a mystery to the natural man. And the proof of it is all the many different denominations and different styles of false religion that are out there. Everybody's groping around in the dark trying to figure out an answer to the mystery and they all got it wrong. Why do you got it right? Why do you, why is it, it's not a mystery to you how God saves sinners. It's all by the doing and dying of Christ. It's so simple to you. It's so obvious to you. Why? The Father made it known to you. Of all people on earth, He made it known to us. I'm doing, oh, what a, what a blessing. How blessed it, we are to be the children of Abraham. All right, one more scripture. Look back at uh, Romans chapter 8. These are the blessings that God gives all the children of Abraham. Verse 28, Romans 8. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. 
Now, if you trust in Christ, you trust in him because God called you, didn't he? He called you to Christ. He chose you in Christ. He sent his son to redeem you. And he called you to Christ. Gave you faith in Christ. Taught you because that's what he teaches all the children of Abraham. It teaches them to trust Christ. Well, if you've trusted Christ, our father has made it so that every event of providence works together for our eternal good. That's all things. All things. Things that we call bad. Things that are painful to us. Things that we don't like. And things that we call good. Things that we do like. All things. Our Father works them together for the eternal good of His people. All things. Now I'm not saying there won't be things that are painful to us. But we need fear nothing. We need fear nothing if we're a child of Abraham. Isn't that a blessing? People in this world are scared to death of everything. You don't have to be scared of one. Now, I'm not saying it won't be painful. I'm saying you don't have to be scared of it. Because <laughs> God works all things together for good to those, those people. Those are his people that he's called. And verse 29, for whom he did foreknow. Now remember we started out, God said, I know Abraham. This is what God's done for those people that he knows. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now the father predestined. He predetermined to make a people his children. He's going to make every last one of them just like his son. Now, we have some idea that's a blessing, don't we? We got no idea. We got no idea. Oh, what a blessing that's going to be. Spiritually now, you who believe, you're just like Christ. One day, we're going to be just like in body and soul. And notice the rest of these things are all past tense. Verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, he predetermined to make them just like Christ, so he called them. He called them to Christ. And you know what? The Father's still doing that. The earth's still spinning. Christ hadn't come back yet. The gospel's still going forth. So he's still calling out his people. He's still calling his people to, to come to Christ by the preaching of the gospel. I'm telling you, it's just, it's amazing. We just, I hope we never get over this. God called sinners like us to his son. There ought, we ought not have in our mind to feel like there's no hope for anybody. It ought to encourage us to continue preaching the gospel to our generation. God's still calling out His people. Doing it by the preaching of the gospel. Read on, verse, verse 30. Then whom He did predestinate, them He called. And whom He called, He justified. Now the Father has justified all of His children. He didn't make it just as if they'd never sinned. He gave them a nature that has never sinned. He's made them without sin. So they're accepted by the Father. Whom He justified, them He also glorified. Now there's one that's past tense. <laughs> he has glorified. And you think, I'm not glorified. I'm still sitting here in the body of this flesh. I'm sitting here right in these green chairs. I'm not glorified. 
Well, that's true. That's true. But if you're in Christ, you're already glorified. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We read these verses earlier. Verse 4. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his grace, to the praise of the glory of his grace, when he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Well, that's not the verse I wanted to read. The verse I wanted to read is about um, Christ being seated in glory. Now, all of God's children are in Christ. That's how we started the message. They're in Christ. Well, where's Christ? If you're in Christ, where is He now? He's seated in glory. He's seated in glory because the work is finished. He's seated in heaven waiting till His enemies be made His footstool. Then so are we who believe. We're seated in heaven in Christ. I tell you what that means. It's all over but shouting. It's all over. You know what we're doing right now? We're just waiting for the day when the Lord will physically bring us to be with Him and be joined to our head and we'll be with Him forever. Now that's the blessing every child of Abraham has to look forward to. I like that, don't you? I like that. That'll comfort my heart. Let me sleep well tonight. Hope will you too. Let's bow together. Our Father, oh, how we thank you for your mercy and your grace. They would take sinful men and women like we are and make us your children. Father, we're thankful. Thankful for the blessings that you promised us in Christ Jesus. Thankful for everything that you have done for us and that you are doing for us and thankful for where you're bringing us. Father, we pray that you give us the grace to, to remain faithful, looking to and trusting in Christ and Christ alone. It's for his name and his sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.